how fun was that last week? Oh, man. I loved it. What a joy. What a joy. You guys, can we just take a moment and celebrate 19 people who got baptized last Sunday? Man. And let me, let, me share, let me share just one story that I heard this morning that, to me, encapsulates church in the park. It was, it was some, a gal who invited a bunch of her friends. And one in particular who said, uh, look, I, I can't go to church. They don't know my story. They don't know my past. And, and he said to her, so, so he comes to the park and he says to her, as I sat there and heard about the compassion of Jesus, I realized this really is a place where I'm welcome. I'll see you there next week. And, and I think that encapsulates why we do something like that in our city. Because look, this is, we're not building a religion, Right? We are called, Jesus, he's calling disciples. And so this is what we're doing. And so we're in the middle of a series. Uh, it, it's a long series because, because it's the main thing. It's called Covered in Dust. And it, we're looking at what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, let me just say this. If you are new to church and are new to engaging of what it looks like, this is the main thing. Learning to connect deeply with Jesus, to love him. And as you spend time, time with him, he's going to make you more and more in his image. And as you become more and more in his image, you are going to join him on his kingdom mission. Jesus had a word for this. It's discipleship. This is the main thing, okay? Now, if you have been around church for a long time, guess what the main thing is? It's still discipleship. We, we, we get in our minds and we think, okay, you know, Christian maturity is, um, you know, I get really good at debating other Christians on secondary and tertiary theology and speaking really bad about other churches. No, that's team Pharisee, okay? That's not what we're building. Jesus is building disciples. And so that's what we're doing. We're saying, what does it mean to follow Christ? When Jesus said, he said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, full life, the best possible life, not the easiest life, but the best possible life is life in Jesus, okay? Amen? Amen. Yet, there, there's this challenge we face, and so many of us, we, we feel stressed, and we feel overwhelmed, and life feels less than satisfied satisfying. And here's what I want to propose, that if we want the abundant life of Jesus, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, that we have to actually walk in this. And so here's what we're going to look at today. We've been looking at these uh, spiritual formation practices. How can we look at how Jesus walked and then walk in his footsteps? And so we're going to just look at simply the practice of solitude, how, how Jesus, he got alone to spend time with his father. And solitude, it's simply spending intentional time being alone, just your soul and God. Now, and, and it's not filling in a bunch of tasks in the middle of that. Now, um, do we believe in the Bible here at Rise? Okay, yep. So we did four weeks teaching on why we should study the Bible. So we're high on Bible. We will always be that. And do we believe in prayer here at Rise? Absolutely. And we're going to get to that in a couple months. We're going to really focus on our prayer. We're going to do a whole series on it, and we're going to zoom in on those things. But I want to be careful here. And, and here's what I mean, is one of the reasons we feel disconnected from God is we don't just allow ourselves to be alone with him. 
We think, oh, any time, the way I spend time with God is I have to do these certain tasks. Now, reading your Bible, it's how you know God. You have to, you have to understand him. And prayer, absolutely, you should cast your worries and your cares on him. But there are times when you need to just spend time in his presence, being aware that he is there. And that is the spiritual practice of solitude. And I'm not, I'm trying to be careful here not to disconnect that from reading. And I'm trying not to disconnect that from prayer. But, but I, I feel like some of you are like me and are very taskless oriented. And so you're like, you know, it's almost kind of like, you know, uh, you know, hey, loved my wife today. Check. Done. I don't know why there's no rom- romance, right? No, it, it, your relationship with the Lord, it can't just be a taskless. And so you need to spend time with him. And, and let me give you some, some symptoms, some indicators of a lack of solitude, okay? And as I go through these, and you, you see these, uh, they kind of grow on each other. The point here is not guilt or condemnation, but, but, but more of a diagnosis. Uh, when you sit down with a doctor and they ask you a bunch of questions and they're worried that you have, you, know, you, have, you have a lung disease or a heart disease, there's no guilt associated with, you know, with an irregular heartbeat. That's a symptom a symptom of a deeper problem. And so as we see these, the, these are the kind of things that you'll, you'll, you'll be like, ah, these are symptoms of not spending time just you and the Lord. When you feel distant. You feel disconnected from him. There's, there's no closeness. And in fact, your spirituality becomes reliant on other people. Your only spirituality is what you hear on a Sunday or a podcast you listen to, but you don't actually feel close to him yourselves. Second, you start to feel distant from yourself. You feel um, disconnected from your, your identity and your calling, and you start to lose track of that. And because of that, there's this underlying undercurrent. You're always feeling anxious because you don't feel close to God, and you wonder who you are anymore. So you have this anxiety. Am I even spending life doing the right things? Am I, am I connected to what I need to be? And then you, you begin to get exhausted because you're always overwhelmed. And so every morning... Most mornings you wake up and you're like, man, I did not, I'm not getting enough sleep. And so rather, and you start lagging through your days and, and you start turning to all these different uh, stimulates. You know, I, I just need more coffee. I, I, I just need more of this. And then that, that's, but you're never actually rested. And because of that, you start turning to your escapes of choice, whatever it may be. And so rather than truly being rested in the Lord, truly slowing down, being with him, you're always turning to the next cheap fix. Just another glass of wine, a new show streaming online. You're like, oh, Stranger Things, I know. It's a culture. I need to study culture, Lord. This is what I'm doing, right? You know, but really you're checking out, right? You're like, I just, like, when you look forward more to that than anything else in your life, that's usually an indicator of a problem. Your social media feeds, whatever, whatever it is, right? And because of all of those things, you become an easy prey for the tempter. You feel like you no longer have strength to fight the battle, and then emotional health sets in. The, the way you speak to yourself, the way you think about yourself, the, your anger, how you handle emotions, all of this. Let me, can I just say this? This is not normal if you're feeling this. I'm not saying you're not normal. I, I, read, a, I read a message recently by a guy who, who studies technology and he studies, you know, kind of the next generation. And he's like, look, I, I see the anxiety and stress in the younger generation, and I just want to reach out to them. And just say to them, look, it's not that you're a broken person in a normal world. It's that you're a normal person in a broken world. 
And this is what we're experiencing. And, and here's what I need you to hear and what I want to see today. This is not the way it has to be. We can be deeply rooted and centered in Christ. We can be deeply connected to God. We can be prepared for battle when we, the battles we face on a daily basis. We can be present with dear friends and families, and we can become more aware and centered personally in our lives. And how do we do it? We do it by looking to Jesus and building our life upon him. That is always the answer. So, Here's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this idea of Jesus in the quiet place. I want to look at how Jesus walked and how he spent his time. And then I want to look at some of the implications of that in our life, the impact that it makes in our everyday lives. And then I just want to talk about how. So uh, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. You can grab a Bible from around you. You can open up your favorite Bible app or you can follow along on the screen. But I want you to be in the text. I want you to actually follow along in this text to see word for word. Now it says, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So right away, we know this is kind of the launch of Jesus' ministry. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. It was the voice of the Father. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well Please. So this is Jesus's launch into ministry. In the very next verse, this is what it says. The spirit immediately, not later, immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Now, that word wilderness, it's a Greek word. It's the word eremos. It means uh, deserted. Uh, th- there's a lot of interpretations, uh, uh, you know, of it or translations of it. So most of, so all of the uh, Old Testament and New Testament, it was written in a different language, primarily uh, Hebrew in the Old Testament, and then the New Testament is Greek and Aramaic. Now, we have really good English translations, but there are times when we're teaching where we want to explain uh, a, a original language word, because one of the things that it helps you do is you see patterns that we wouldn't normally see because things are da- translated differently, okay? So this word, aramos, there's a few wa- ways it's translated, deserted place, remote place, solitary place, desolate place. I love this one, the quiet place. You see this theme. No, it's away from all distraction. Or, it, or we'll see it, and it's translated as the desert, or the wilderness, or uninhabited grasslands. I love that one. Start using that. Like, hey, I just need some, I need to enter into the uninhabited grasslands for a moment. Just escape the world, you know, right? Okay. I, I, sorry, that, I didn't think about it until I said that that had some, you know, other implications, you know, with living in Oregon and what's legalized. I'll correct that for the <laughs> correct that for the next service. Okay, but 42 times back in, back in, back in. Okay, 42 times uh, this word aramos appears in the gospel and acts. Constantly, there's this theme of Jesus, and yes, it ties to uh, it ties to Old Testament Israel. But also, we have to understand that it's Jesus going to be alone with the Father to spend time in solitude with the Father. Now, if you have your Bible. What you'll notice is over the different sections, there's headings, okay? Um, Our English translations have added these headings later as a means of, hey, here's kind of the idea of what's happening. They weren't in the original text, but I think they're helpful. But I just want you to see this in Mark chapter 1. Will you pull those headings up? I want you to see these headings, okay? Because as you work through this, what you see is you see the baptism of Jesus, 
And, and, and then you see the temptation of Jesus, and you see Jesus begins his ministry, and you see Jesus calls his first disciples, and you see Jesus heals many, and Jesus preaches at Galilee, and Jesus heals the leper, okay? This is like day, this is like day one for, of Jesus' ministry you know, in, with, with Mark, okay? But constantly, what is he doing? He's going to the quiet place. He's, he, he's commissioned, he's baptized for ministry, and he's about to enter into this battle with Satan. And where does he go? He goes to the wilderness. And then he spends time calling his disciples and healing people, and he gets done with that. And what does he do? He goes to the quiet place to be with the Father. And then he goes back out and he starts preaching and he's healing. And then immediately, again, all in one chapter, he goes to the Eremos. Over and over. It's the same word there. And what I need to see is we see this pattern in Christ. In Mark chapter 6. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place. What's the word there? It's a ramos. He's teaching his disciples. Hey, ministry, life is hard. We need a rhythm and a pattern of going to the quiet place. Matthew constantly records this as well. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. This is a passage we looked at at Church in the Park where Jesus has just been told the news that his cousin, his baptizer, his dear friend John the Baptist has died. And what does he do in his grief? He goes to be alone with the Father. And in Luke Chapter 5, 15, yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, Ramos, and he prayed. He spent time in communion and connection with his father talking about him, talking to him about what is going on. See, and, and if you follow along in Luke's gospel, and you actually underline or highlight, you see this correlation between how busy Jesus gets and how often he goes to the Aramos. And it's interesting to me how opposite we are, aren't we? If, if, if I said, hey, when's the last time you just spent 20, 30 minutes just in the presence of the Lord? Um, and you said, it, and it was a long time, you would, we would immediately come up with all the reasons why, right? It's because we're overwhelmed. You know, the pressures of work, the busyness, all the things that are happening and coming along. I mean, we would just, we would list them off left and right. Like, you don't know my children, you know, and I don't, right? See them in the hallway, you know, but like, you don't know my children, you know? But like, these are just excuses. And if Jesus Christ needed time alone, the son of God, Deity take on flesh and blood. What makes us think we are beyond that? How much more do we need this pattern and this rhythm in our life? Now, I want to be careful here because sometimes when we hear the word solitude or what we think is actually isolation, but they're they're drastic opposites. And I just want to compare and contrast with you for a second. Uh, Solitude, the point of solitude is is engagement to go engage with the Father. But the point of isolation is escape. I just want to be away from everybody. Solitude is actually a place of safety because you're in the presence of the Father. Isolation, it's vulnerable. Solitude opens you up to God while isolation exposes you to the enemy, to Satan. Solitude, it creates satisfaction, but isolation creates longing. Man, I feel alone. I just want more in life. But, but the, the satisfaction that comes with spending time, you feel known, you feel seen, you feel understood. 
This, the God who knit you together in your mother's womb that knows the exact hairs on your head. He knows you. You, you feel satisfied in that moment. Solitude is about connection with your creator where isolation is about disconnecting from the rest of creation. So they're very contrast. The whole purpose of solitude is escaping distraction in order to connect your soul deeply with your creator. And this is what Jesus did a lot, constantly, dozens of times through the gospels. We see Jesus going to the Aramis. So this is what Jesus's practice was. Now, now I want you to see, second, I want you to see the power of the quiet place. There's three things that it does. First, um, it, solitude, it equips you for battle. Um, I had this, uh, an opportunity this week. Uh, I got to watch somebody get ready for battle. Like, it was incredible. And just the detail. They, they knew their enemy. And so from, from the tips of their toes to the top of their head to their fingertips, they wanted nothing exposed to the enemy. The, the, the layer after layer of preparation and detail. And, and this battle was, was, was actually my son as he got ready to fight a wasp, okay? <laughs> For some reason, he decided he's going to catch a wasp. And so he came in and he's like, I'm getting layers. And he had multiple layers of gloves, three pairs of pants. Uh, you notice there's a hoodie in front. That's because there's a hoodie in back and a hoodie in front and then one to just like wrap it all in. He has his net, which apparently the holes were too big for the wasp because it's made for fish, uh, but, and, and a motorcycle helmet, you know, unstrapped. He felt a little rebellious, you know, but uh, like, but why did he, why, why did my son put all this gear on just to try to catch a wasp? Because he spent all week previously watching Coyote Peterson videos of him being stung by some of the most venomous and poisonous creatures on the planet. And he wasn't, he knew his enemy, right? Yet how often, how often do we enter these battles completely unprepared? Like not willing to, to, to go in. This is what it says in Matthew 4. I want you to see this again. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him and said, and then there's this interaction between Jesus. See, I've always read this, and to be honest, kind of interpreted like, man, isn't that just like Satan, right? He comes at you when you're tired and alone and kind of hangry, you know, right? Or you get hangry, and you're like snapping at people like, sorry, Satan's just tempting me right now. You're like, no, you just need a piece of cheese, right? Like, <laughs> okay, but... but if you've been reading the scriptures, you're, you're waiting for this moment, aren't you? Like Genesis 3, the proto-evangelion, okay, the first gospel says that the, 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 son, the son of Eve will one day show up to crush the head of Satan. And so you're prepared for this to take place. You know that there's going to be a battle taking place, but like why the wilderness, like, why would he actually be there? And it just, to me, I've always read this like, oh, like Satan comes at us at, at our weakest point, and the wilderness is a place of weakness. But, but as I've been studying this, what, I, what I've realized and what I've been open to is, is the truth that the wilderness is not a place of weakness, it's a place of strength. Because the wilderness is where Jesus goes to connect deeply with his Father. And to be rooted in his identity of who he is. And to be reminded of his calling and his purpose. It says, then Jesus was what? What's the word there? Was, was led by the Spirit. 
Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Because the wilderness, the quiet place, the connection with the Father, it's a place of strength. It's a place where he's at the height of his spiritual powers. He spent a month and a half in prayer and fasting, preparing for this moment. It's not mere weakness. It's reliance on his Father. It's reliance on the power of the Spirit in this moment. And that's why over and over you see Jesus constantly coming back. See, solitude, it's intentional time alone with God that strengthens us for the battle ahead. That's the first thing that it does. And so what battle with temptation are you facing? Like, is it gossip? Is it overeating? Is it substance? Is it lust? Is it anger? When was the last time you started your day in the wilderness? When is the last time you went to the quiet place before you hung out with that friend that you know brings out the worst in you? When is the last time you got alone to just commune with the Father before that hard meeting that you know that you're going to have? What if, like, what if we began... What if we went to the quiet place and prepared for war before the battle even started? This is what Jesus is doing here. And so that's one of the the whys. That's why we go into solitude. Second, um, it connects you relationally to God. One of the common phrases that I hear often, and I've experienced myself, is this idea that I just don't feel close to God. For some of us, we experience, we've been experiencing that constantly ever, we, ever since we started following him. Our day, in our day and age, it, we kind of reached a point where it's hard for us to even talk about. We, uh, a, a few weeks ago, um, at Rise, we have this thing called team leads. Anybody who leads a ministry team. So um, whoever's leading our prayer team and, you know, youth and uh, young adults and Rise men and Rise women, they're all our team leads. And so in June, the middle of June, we got away to, to, to a, for a retreat, went to this beach house, and we just spent time growing together in our relationship with each other, but also in spiritual formation, just t- time getting alone and being quiet. And so um, one of the assignments I gave uh, to our team leads was to go and just be, be quiet for an hour and spend some time reading some scripture, but then just asking yourself these questions. And one of the questions was, what makes you feel close to God? And uh, one of our team leads was sitting there and just wrestling through that question. And they were like, man, I, I don't even know what the answer to that is. And I just started thinking through different things. And they're sitting there on this bench, right? And the, the waves are crashing in the distance and the sun is on their face. And then you just hear the birds flying overhead. And I just kept asking, like, what, what makes me feel close to God? What is it? What, like, I, I don't know. I, running through their day-to-day, their week-to-week, I don't know what things make me feel close to God. And then it hit them. They're like, this, this, like getting away and just being patient and being calm and being present with the Lord in, the, in this moment. See, the whole purpose of solitude is connecting deeply with your creator. That's why we go into this place. It's, it's not just for, um, you know, a time of, you know, meditation and mindfulness. You, you re, you'll read about that in secular literature constantly nowadays. And what they're trying to do is tap into this deep, ancient spiritual practice of connecting with your creator. It's like they have the practice down minus the best part, which is Jesus, right? You're spending time with him. 
And so if we find ourselves being like, man, love, joy, and peace, it does not describe my day-to-day, week-to-week experience of following Jesus. And so we come to church hoping to get a hit, and we just, we say these things like, God isn't present with us, or I don't experience it, and we wonder where God is. This is what Jesus tells us. He said, he's teaching us how to pray in Matthew 6. He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. What does that sound like? Does that sound like the quiet place? right? Moms, does that sound like the quiet place? Lock the door, right? (laughs) Now, don't miss this. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. What is the reward of that moment? The reward is his presence. That's what the reward is. We, We wander around what if, what if the problem is not that God is absent, but rather the problem is he's simply waiting for us in the Aremos. He's waiting for us to come to him in the quiet place. But we never go and we never spend time with him. Uh, imagine with me for a second that you're, you're out to coffee with a friend. And this friend starts to describe, um, they're talking about their marriage. And, and, and they start to explain they're feeling a deep disconnect from their spouse. When they first got married, you know, they had this deep connection and they really loved each other and they laughed and they enjoyed each other. But as years have gone on, it's not that the love has faded, but they just feel disconnected. It's just gone cold. So, you know, you put on your, your best counselor hat and you just start asking questions. You know, well, have you changed? Have they, you know, have they changed drastically and you don't love them anymore? And you're like, no. You know, over and over, they're like, no, 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 that's not it. It's not it. It's not nothing about my heart or my affection. There's just a coldness there. And then you start drilling down on their time and how they spend time together with their spouse. And that's it. You start to just like really pinpoint that their marriage has become more about accomplishing tasks together and less about spending interrupted time together. Their their marriage is about paying their mortgage. Their marriage is about managing the household and the chores. Their marriage is about raising the kids and making decisions and actually uh, working on the calendar. All like really good and beautiful things. Like I'm pro raising children, okay? I'm pro paying your mortgage. But... If your love relationship has simply become a means to accomplishing different ends and the love itself is never the ever the ends, you have a problem. Am I right? What would your advice to that person be? Man, you need to get time, just the two of you. You, you need to get time alone. You need to start having date night. You need to, after the kids go to bed, rather than, you know, turning on the next show, maybe you guys need to sit in the living room and just talk or read a book together. It, the, the, the diagnosis and the response would be time together. Why do we treat it so, relationship, so different in our relationship with the Lord? We say, I feel distant from God. Yet if we actually look, do we ever spend time with uninterrupted undistracted time with him, the answer would be no. Great spiritual leader and pastor Henry Nouwen, he said, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and to listen to him. Maybe the reason you feel disconnected is not because God left. It's because you never go see him anymore. 
you never make time for him anymore. And, and, and listen to me, maybe you're, maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. And you're like, I just don't, like God's never revealed himself to me. Maybe you should go to the quiet place. Maybe you should enter the wilderness and spend time with him and, and ask him to reveal himself to you. See, and the third thing it does, it, so to, to kind of recap, here's the benefit of it. First, it equips us for battle. Second, it connects us relationally to God. Third, it centers you personally. It actually centers you personally. That's what solitude does. I'll explain what I mean by centers in a second. But have you ever noticed, like, anybody else like me does their best thinking in the shower, right? Right? Nobody wants to confess that for some reason. Is that okay? Right? I feel like my whole illustration is thrown off by nobody actually responding to that. I'm going to go for it anyway. You get to learn. Like, I have epiphanies in the shower, Right? Like, you have these incredible, like, incredible epiphanies and realizations about the depth of life. Like, you know, like you're, like, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? Actually, I've just realized nothing's actually on fire. Fire is on things, right? <laughs> you ever think about that? Yeah, you, you know? Or, like, you're, like, thinking, you're sitting there taking a shower, and all of a sudden, you start thinking about the t- best movies ever, like Titanic. And then you think about, like, those lobsters in the kitchen. You're like, that was, like, a miracle moment for those lobsters when that Titanic went down, right? They went from like death to life in a moment, right? Like these are the, these are epiphanies. Some of you guys are like, I'm pretty sure I saw somebody lean over to their spouse like, we're not coming back here, right? But like, any, okay, more confession. Anybody, every, anybody win arguments in the shower, right? You know, like, you guys are the worst. You don't even get alone time in the shower. This is terrible. Like, no, here's why, here's why, you, and you win arguments or you get clarity. You're, you're wrestling through a decision. But here's why. This is falling really flat, okay? All right, and fourth, here's, no, okay, here's why. Because we get clarity in these moments when we are actually alone. Because we're entering into the, the, you guys should take showers. They're wonderful, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm like sweating more than usual. I feel like I have to bring, bring, I'm going to have to bring scripture in really quickly, bring this back. See, here's what I mean by solitude centers you personally. It centers you around your identity and your calling. When you get alone, away from all the distraction away from all the taskless, away from all the noise, away from all the opinions of others, and you spend time with God. Yes, reading his word. Yes, in prayer, sharing what is on your heart and listening to his voice, but also just being present with him. You are reminded of who you are in Christ and what you are sent here to do. That's what it means to be centered that you would be reminded of your identity and your calling. Look at this with Jesus, okay? In Mark 1, I want to read this again. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Okay, like if you get a chance to spend time with Jesus on earth, like don't demand his schedule, right? Don't sh- this is what Peter does. Simon Peter shows up and he's like, dude, where, what are you doing, Jesus? Like you're kind of a big deal now. Everyone is looking for you and you're in the wilderness. You're in a deserted place. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages 
so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. All these demands are being put on him. Jesus, you're like a big deal now. Like all these miracles, like you're gaining traction, like this is the place. This is the place to be. And Jesus, he says, no. Why? Because he's just spent time with his father. And he's centered back around his identity and his calling. In his book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which if you've not read that, like please read it by John Mark Homer. This is what he says about this passage. He says, notice Jesus came out of the wilderness with all sorts of clarity about his identity and his calling. He was grounded. He was centered. He was in touch with God and himself. From that place of emotional equilibrium and spiritual succor, he knew precisely what to say yes to, and just as importantly, what to say no to. This is why we spend time. We need to spend time in the quiet place. We need to be reminded of who we are in Jesus. And we need to be reminded of our calling, like why we're here and what this looks like. It, it was interesting for me, even as I was studying and wrestling through this stuff, I'm like, what, what, are the, what are the moments where this has been true of me? And I wouldn't have been able to identify it at the time. But, but you know when God started to, to bring clarity to me about planting this church? It was when I would go on walks by myself around Saulish Ponds. I would spend hours just walking around the ponds. And I feel like God, and I would almost have this wrestling with God, where, where I would just feel this burden for the city of like, man, we need to plant a church in this city. We need to reach this generation. Like this needs to be a city that is flipped upside down with the gospel. And over and over and over, I would have the same response, even though I'd feel that burden. I'd say, Lord, I'm not ready. I'm in my 20s. Like I look like I'm 13. (laughs) I sweat like crazy. And I have a borderline speech impediment when I preach. I'm not ready. Like, and constantly God just over and over is like, I'm not asking you to be ready. I'm asking you to be obedient. But it was in that quiet place in the Eremos where God was constantly calling me to this. See, this is what centered, getting alone is what centers us personally. Pete Schizero, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, he, he, he lays out this list of indicators of, he says, I know I'm relaxing in Jesus. I know I'm spending quiet time with Christ when I am. And I just want to read these. I'm going to put them up on the screen. But, but it's not about like retaining all these. I just want you to feel the spirit of somebody who's spending time with Christ. I, I'm enjoying communion with Christ in the midst of disappointment and storms. I experience, I am experiencing lack of anxiety in my body. I'm not doing for others what they can and should be doing for themselves. I am maintaining in my rhythms of being with Jesus in seasons of great pressure. I am present and aware to the beauty and wonder of those around me. I'm enjoying a deep sense of knowing I have nothing to gain and nothing to lose. I want only God's will. I experience deep contentment and caring for the people of God the people of God that he has entrusted to me. I'm receiving God's gifts of limits rather than fighting, ignoring, or denying them. I'm discerning and embracing the season in which God has placed me. Man, that, that's what a spirit, deeply connected, that's what a centered soul, deeply connected to God, feels like and looks like. 
I want you to be longing for the quiet place. And, and so lastly, just to end, how do we do it? Let me just acknowledge a couple things. At first, it, it's going to be a challenge. It's, it's, it's actually going to be really hard. Um, the, the reason it's going to be challenged is twofold, okay? You see them both there. Here's the first one. Uh, the world around you is battling to keep you busy. It just is. One of the things I love as we read these stories of Jesus going off to the quiet place, how often he's interrupted, right? And he doesn't like get like super angry and, you know, like, you know, start yelling at, you know, at Peter and the disciples. Like, but constantly you're going to be interrupted. There's going to be often moments where, where, where you're trying to go and be with Jesus and that's when the interruptions come. Like, how many times have you, like, I'm going to go for a hike, or I'm going to go um, on vacation, and then life happens. Like, literally on the way to the trip, like, the car breaks down, right? And you're like, Satan, there you are again, <laughs> you know, right? You're, you're trying to spend time with him. Or you plan an afternoon of relaxation, and there's like a minor crisis at work that you're asked to, be, to, to stay late for. Constantly, over and over, these things are going to happen, okay? And so, look... The world around you is battling to keep you busy. Here's the second thing. Your inner addiction to noise and busyness will make it painful at first. It will be painful. You're, you're going to be like, this is a waste of time. You're going to sit down and, and you're going to be like, I, I need to just be alone with God. And it's going to feel really miserable. You're not going to be able to shut off. Kind of like how like on vacation, you know, you get away and, like, it takes the first four days to actually be in vacation mode. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you can't quite. And then you come back, and you're, like, really in vacation mode. You're, like, still on island time. You know, and your boss is like, Gary, you need to show up for work. You're like, aloha, right? Or, you know, <laughs> mahalo, brother, right? Okay. This is how it's going to be at first. Keep going after it. Keep pursuing it. So how often? What should it look like? Listen, daily, 15 minutes. Every day, get alone to be with God. Weekly, two to three hours yearly, a day away or an overnight away. Make this a priority. Build your life around this every day. I, I would encourage you, start with 15, build up 30, 45, an hour of, of, of time just alone with the Father, reading his word. Yes. Talking to him in prayer, sharing. But don't beat yourself up in these moments. Don't be overly harsh on yourself as your mind wanders when you're just being quiet. Be like, oh, no, I'm supposed to. Be. Like, wandering is a good thing. And as your mind wanders to things you're stressed about, present them to the Father. Share them with the Father. Spend time with him. Talk with him. Practice being in his presence. Weekly, every week, you should have a two to three hour time slot that you're alone by yourself. And let me just encourage you. This is to all the spouses in the room. You help ensure your spouse gets that. Make sure he, make sure she is getting that time to just be alone. That's how Andrew Sullivan puts it. He wrote an article called, I Used to Be a Human Being. And this is what he says. He says, modernity slowly weakens spirituality by design and by accident in favor of commerce. It downplayed silence and mere being in favor of noise and constant action. The reason we live 
in a culture increasingly without faith is not because science has somehow disproven the unprovable, but because the white noise of secularism has removed the very stillness in which it might endure or be reborn. If the churches come to understand that the greatest threat of faith to faith today is not hedonism but distraction, perhaps they might begin to appeal anew to a frazzled digital generation. Listen, as your pastor, this is my appeal. I'm very careful about what I ask of you. I want good things for you. Would you get alone to the quiet place and spend time with God? Make it a priority in your life. Make it a rhythm and a practice that you follow, that you live, that you walk through. Create an intentional practice of following in the footsteps of Jesus and entering into the Aramos. And here's what might happen. You might start to feel like a human again, deeply connected and created by your Father, living out the identity he has named you with and the calling that he has for you. Jesus, we pray. We ask that you would instill this in our hearts and our lives. That we would be a people who can walk with you in your footsteps. That we would be able to enter the quiet place without shame or guilt or distraction. Would you strengthen us and would you empower us? And Lord, I ask that you would hold true to your word and that you would meet us there. In those moments, would you strengthen us for the battles that we face? Would you connect with us and draw close to us in relationship? And would you center us around who you've said we are and what you've called us to? We pray all this in your name. Amen.